Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with me, Dr. Christian. This is your weekly sense check where we endeavor to help you cope with the substantial strain that this new way of life is having on us all. And I don't just mean in terms of the virus and people getting sick. Even those of us who have been fortunate enough to display no symptoms at all are finding it tough as we find ourselves locked down for at least another couple of weeks. As always, the opinions expressed in this forum are purely my own. And if you're feeling unwell, you should refer to the current advice given by the NHS in terms of calling the 111 helpline or contacting your GP or pharmacist. And I'm joined as always by Wonder Woman herself, Alex Stanger. Alex, how are you this week? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. How's the going? Chugging on. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I, I know, I'm getting irritable. I'm not going to lie. I am now getting irritable. Oh. Irritable and twitchy. Oh, not a twitchy Christian. We can't can have imagine. that. Can you imagine? Thank goodness we're in different homes, right? I know. That's what I was just thinking, but I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> but are your lot? I mean, come on, three boys in the house. Are, you, are things not getting a bit fraught there? They, it, they were last week because I think that they didn't have much structure, but we're getting back into the old homeschooling at the minute. But I think things are getting fraught with me because work seems to have escalated not decreased which is just bizarre oh, wow. so it's suddenly like it, it's just trying to juggle the homeschooling the work deadlines yeah. things like that it's really quite yeah it's quite a lot of stuff to juggle well i think alex i have the perfect guest for you <laughs> this week who should be able to answer all of those questions my guest is Emma Kenny. Emma is a psychologist. Um, she does a lot of telly. She writes a lot of books. We even write in the same magazine together. Um, and she's got a really, I think, Emma, this is an amazing story. You write, after hitting rock bottom, when you discovered that your husband had been cheating on you with your best friend, that was the moment when you decided to turn everything around and train as a psychologist. I think that's amazing. Tell me more about that. It wasn't, I didn't retrain. Actually, what happened then was what I did. I quit my job, which I was running a mental health service. And mm. that's what happened. And that was the trigger. What happened was I thought to myself, I didn't have any of the security that I believed I had. Mm. And I remembered thinking, if I don't do something with that experience positively, it will always be a blight of my life. So instead, I thought, well, I've got nothing left to lose. I'm just going to try living my best life do what I always wanted to do, which was to set up on my own. And that's what I did. So TV came and the media came and I was really lucky to just pursue that. But therapy 
it remains my massive love. So in spite of the fact that I still do quite a lot of great stuff on TV, I'm very blessed like anybody is who gets the role to be a professional in TV mm. and gets to work outside in their profession. So I still do my therapy and live technology has been amazing. A bit like now when we were all getting to do the jobs that we would ordinarily be doing sat together, the fact that technology has moved on just gives you so much more access to reach people. It really does. It really does. And, and, I mean, I think you were you always a born psychologist because your your sort of thought process after that miserable time seemed to be absolutely on a par with a with a psychotherapist. It's an interesting one. So basically, I read about a law called Pareto's law, which is that 80% of your success comes from 20% of your action. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I apply all of this 20% and make it the 100%, my life's going to be better. I'll be financially more independent and I'll do what I love. And I did it because of that. So it's a bit like when people have the opportunity to have an epiphany, you just see something that speaks to you. And when it comes down to what I trained as, the reason I went into any kind of therapeutic intervention was because as a young person, I really struggled at high school and I had to go and see psychologists and I had yeah. quite a few issues around that. And I remember thinking, how does somebody get paid to sit in a room and talk to a kid and not really do a very good job? No disrespect. And I remember going home and saying to my mum, I think I could do a better job than them. And that's why I went into this field because I'm inquisitive and curious. I'm quite nosy, but I'm also very good at keeping it to myself. So it kind of was a perfect platform for me. Um, can you just repeat what law that was? Because that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Pareto's so it's law, Pare is it? It's Pareto's law, Pareto's oh. law. So basically he was a philosopher and uh -huh. they looked at it initially in economics. So what they realised was that when you think about it, about 80% of the success, um, sorry, about 80% of your success in investment will come from about 20% of your investments. And then if you apply it to friendships, about 80% of your support will come from about 20% of your friendships. So when you work it out in that respect, it comes across the board. And when it comes down to success in work, about 80 percent of your success comes from 20 percent of the actions that you do there so if you specifically concentrate on those innate skills that you kind of thrive at then if you just do that fully you automatically tend to triple your income and that tends to be across the board when they've worked that information out so it's something that was massively important to me and actually something that absolutely happened so that's something I've lived learned and gone and preached further on God, oh, that's you're fascinating. Like that book, The Secret, aren't you? Only better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but I won't be having Believe put on my wrist for no reason, <laughs> which seems to be quite an issue with people who do that from that book. Well, all, all, of this is, all of this is perfect because there, be, there will be some people, won't there, who are starting to think, will this ever end? You know, what has happened yes. to my life? You know, this is not the world yeah. that I, I woke up in, essentially. Yeah, um, is that just, that's that's just me, Christian. <laughs> but don't you think that a lot of people will be doing what Emma did as well and re-evaluating and figuring out because you've got a bit of time to uh, uh, sit and think, right, is this the life I want? Do I want to change it? You know, it's going to be one of those transforming times, I, I think, personally. What do you think? I, I, I totally feel, agree with you. I, I yeah. think that's, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do out of it. I sort of, you know, me and my downtime, I'm using that downtime. I'm sort of thinking about the things I don't do so well, trying to do better at those. You know, I'm sort of making little little lists, task lists of life tasks rather than do the washing up and mow the lawn type lists. So, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if you say, actually, I've embraced lockdown, I'm going to make the most of it. Probably the Twitterati will lash out at you and say, oh, you're so, you know whatever they say on Twitter, but actually it's a really good opportunity. I think that one of the 
differences perception wise is that people are obviously really worried about the obvious things like home educating their kids or worried about finances or feeling that just stress of their freedom being taken away which are all really clear stresses for any human being mm. but even though people can feel that it's quite trite or frivolous to say listen make the best of it actually when you think about it on a neural pathway level if you use positive language if you think about positively reframing any situation then you alter the way that your brain chemistry works so even if you don't like it on the more spiritual side as you're talking about which is a period of stillness a period of surrender a period of acceptance which is really healthy for us if you think about it more in the just clinical side of it which is your world it's all about thinking about the neural pathways that we want to connect in a positive way so i agree that even though we are all limited and hey everybody's got their financial concerns right now particularly me i have my own business i'm launching an app these are big things that right now is the worst thing to be happening but if i look at that that i have no power over if i obsess about the things that I can't control, I'm automatically in a losing situation. If I take my power back and look at the things that I can control in my life and the things that I can embrace, then actually that's a far healthier mindset to have. So when people get angry with you, because what you're trying to do is say, listen, this is how I'm manifesting a more positive attitude. Well, that means that they need to really think about reframing the way that they speak to themselves because if they speak to you that way, and that's one of the things that you see on Twitter. When I see the toxicity, I don't really feel angry with the people saying it to me I feel sad because I know that if that is their external dialogue to other people their internal monologue must be really distressing for themselves and, and that's I, I know you know I've it's no secret that I've struggled with depression for quite a long time now and mm. and I've only recently learned actually but as my sort of Twitter responses get more and more sort of sarky and I get dragged into the arguments and the fights I know that my my depression is sort of settling in you know for yes. a short visit now which one is coming first? Or is it is the Twitter triggering depression or what? I'm not sure, but the two are very closely linked. Yeah, I would totally agree that the way that you either toxify or detoxify your social media is something that's powerfully indicative of how you feel. So I know that like I have this really clear belief system that I'll only kind of be compassionate on the whole to people on Twitter. And very often I get trolls and then they'll follow me because in the end they realize that they're not going to get a response that's negative, but also I'll take myself away from it when I feel like I'm just getting burnt out. I think it's so interesting. Depression in itself, as you know, I think one of the problems is that we kind of see people who struggle with depression as suddenly needing to know coping strategies for that situation and manifest change but actually you know and I know that it doesn't come as simply as that you know you don't actually necessarily need any triggers to feel depressed it can be completely the fact that you know you're burning yourself out a little bit and you've not really recognized that you're not self-caring and then you feel exhausted and particularly in vicarious scenarios like you work in to be any kind of medic you're suffering at times from secondary secondary vicarious trauma we don't talk about it we don't talk about compassion fatigue and we don't talk about how to manifest the care for the carers and they're big questions that we've got at the moment particularly at the moment actually because I think that like you will know better than I but certainly from my perspective in 12 months time we're going to be dealing with a huge amount of post-trauma from people who've been on the medical profession and frontline so I think that the mental psyche is a really interesting thing to analyze now because whilst I'm very much a meditate versus medicate I have no issues with medication either I think everything's about balance and understanding the psyche what I do know though is that very often 
things like depression and when people talk about depression you know motivation is its enemy but finding motivation when you're feeling sad and blue and feeling yourself get involved in those toxic conversations because you're kind of seeking that negativity and you're seeking to project that anger because you feel really pissed off no disrespect you're feeling really angry that this is happening the result of that is that yeah you externalize and when we externalize we tend to get back what we externalize which often in these cases is negative yeah absolutely i mean one thing that always completely sort of befuddled me and actually now really angers me is that doctors through all of their training and, and onwards never get so let me give you context you I think would get weekly supervision sessions would you not yeah so I have supervision for every client that I have I have a certain I have half an hour a month yeah on so top and that's for people who don't know what that is that's sort of a well, it, it's a bit of mini counselling for you, isn't it? It's isn't checking it, in a out. Way? It's checking out where yeah. you are, what you're doing, whether you're taking too much on, or whether you're actually maybe doing something called transference or countertransference, which is where you're playing a particular relationship in the life of that client, or vice versa. So it's about unpicking where you are. But like you said, it's very much about unloading as well. It's really it's a sort of grounding that that you really yes. need because we hear a lot of pretty awful stuff, you know, most weeks. And totally. To think that doctors go through you know, their whole lives. I'm, I, mean, I was sort of, you know, certifying people dead when I was, what, 21? Yeah. Which yeah. actually is quite young, really, isn't it? And no Absolutely. one ever sort of turns around and says, are you all right? And that's yes. become a bit of a mantra now. Well, for, you know, for everybody, it's just, are you okay? Or it's okay not to be okay. It's okay but not I, to be I okay. I think a lot of my issues actually stem from that I carried all this sort of oh my God, <laughs> stuff internalized. Yeah. And the sort yeah. of world that I lived in was you just get on and cope. You know, you don't yeah. make a fuss. But actually, no, maybe you don't cope. Maybe it is horrible. <laughs> maybe you do need to yeah, talk to someone. Yeah, I, I, I think as well in the Western world and one of the things that I've always tried to merge, you know, I don't think you should be any extreme. I think the real answers are always somewhere in the middle. You know, if you just use an entirely medical model, I think you fail. If you just use an entirely Eastern medicine model, I think you fail. I think there are brilliant lessons from both and the best way is to transmute the knowledge and understanding into action using both areas. So for me, undoubtedly, when it comes down to our dealings in the Western world with death, for example, mm. I constantly talk to people with health, anxiety, OCD, real big issues and phobias death one of the things that i think is really important about the narrative that we're experiencing now is coming to terms with mortality and what we do in the western world is we tend to spend a lot of time running away from our difficult emotions and that makes perfect sense you know when you feel depressed of course you want to escape it it's a natural protective mechanism to escape but actually in the western world the way that for example i might escape or might have escaped years ago might have been through drinking or taking something that made me feel better and therefore i didn't process the emotion i by, by, by way of shielding or avoiding it. Whereas when you work in a much more kind of transcendental way, you accept the emotion is there to help you. So instead of being afraid of the feeling, you kind of sink into the feeling, you allow yourself to learn from it. But I think we do a lot in Western culture to kind of say, listen, let's just not feel that. And I think doctors are meant to be superheroes. I think that they're meant to know everything. I think that they're meant to have the answer and no human being ever feels completely that they have the answer. In fact, a human being who does has usually an over arrogant position and usually has some failings elsewhere in their psyche which means that they're not very empathic for example so you only ever when you have a particular arrogance of belief lose somewhere else your ability to be empathic and learn so i think that the most part doctors medics nurses people in those roles they're constantly dealing with very very affronting trauma and then 
to some degree being educated in a field where it's all about okay well if that doesn't feel good let's move away from it whereas very much in the work that I do it's like if that doesn't feel good what's it telling us what's it teaching us and then suddenly those feelings aren't to be afraid of and I'm the first person who's worked with people who have spent 10 years in therapy and they've come to me and I've been like guys you know it's not that the therapy is really bad it's you're looking in the wrong place and actually you know they've gone and had an assessment by somebody I know private psychiatrist and it's turned out that they're bipolar type 2 which is often very very underdiagnosed and of course a treatment path is completely different that person went from being somebody who was consistently depressed and suicidal he's not even been depressed once in five years Mm. I know the medical model can work no matter what people think but I think that the protocol has to be about some kind of knowledge from both sides you know I'm heavily into things like transcranial magnetic stimulation at the moment because it's amazing for depression somebody like yourself Christian who has had periods of depression and actually you know that your life's good you know that you have a good place in your world you know that you work through stuff but it still comes back then that's a really interesting conversation that I think is to be had around the way that inflammation works in the brain and again that's something you'll know more than me but certainly when I'm seeing the impact of transcranial magnetic stimulation which is basically completely non-invasive it's just firing magnetic pulses it's nice guideline approved and on top of that it's working really impactfully on areas like Alex, yeah, yes. I want to bring Amazing. you in because I want to, I, I want to sort of, you were already touching on the, the way we sort of face our fears or rather the way we don't face them. I was just thinking, actually, we, we teach our kids to do that a lot, don't we? If something's mm. not nice, oh, come over here, leave it alone, have a sweet or something. So we almost teach them about medicating nasty yeah. things, you know, from the word go. But, so true. but I mean, Alex, I, I I'm not suggesting that you do that with your kids, but <laughs> no, it's, it's basic bribery. If I want them to do anything, yes, I'm going to use it. I'm sorry. I started out thinking before I had kids that I would never stoop to that. It took me two years. Didn't take me long. As soon as they could understand, you'll get this if you do that. But I know because we suddenly can... became my parenting technique. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We've done, we've, we've answered people's questions on anxiety, haven't we, on OCD, and we've talked a fair bit about depression. And I keep promising people that we're going to talk about coping with kids, yeah. and then we never quite get around to it, well, <laughs> do I we? I think the big thing that we've, we've had from our school, which they are very much 
they're very much aware of the effect that this all might have on kids. And yeah. and the fact that... I don't even think if it's a sensitive kid. I mean, we've never been in anything like this. No. And so how are we going to keep them okay, especially when they're quite young and they're probably not into talking about emotions. I mean, my eldest had a bit of a low point the other day and I thought, oh, oh, is this something or just, are you really just tired because you've been up quite a lot yeah. since it's been Easter and you've been going to bed at around 9, 10. So it's yes. sort of like one of those who, so it's just trying to recognise if, because my kids are 5, 8 and 10, so no. they're still quite young. And I suppose if they were teenagers, I'd probably get a bit more of a steer, maybe because they might voice it or they might just ignore me and slam a door but I just don't know I just want to make sure that everyone's okay and then also that's yeah. the other pressure is making sure that everyone's okay, okay. and can I am can I do that in these yeah, uh, unprecedented times and there'll be a I lot think... of people who are wondering actually whether they can they'll yeah. be doubting it I suspect and Emma that's where mm, I yeah. really want to get some pearls of wisdom from you about I mean I'm doubting everything I'm doubting the fact that I can teach them which I definitely can't oh, I'm doubting the fact I mean I can possibly put food in front of them and sometimes make them you know like get them out in the garden and, and play but you know that you know, there's just so many things that you end up doubting your your capabilities of, and it becomes blatantly clear <laughs> where your um, yeah, yeah where your strengths lie in this situation. I think that you seem to be maintaining a fairly cheerful um, and you know relationship with your kids, <laughs> but I'd imagine there are some households where things are getting really strange. You know, the bedroom doors are slamming, and then no one's coming out for quite a long time. Um, yeah. I I think that one of the big things at the moment is that parents are obviously being multi-role orientated. So you're not just working at home with your own worries. You're also dealing with educating your kids and trying to keep them occupied. And I kind of think like I always own my own space. So realistically, I have a 15 year old and a 17 year old. One of them's going into his GCSE final year next year. The other one's going into his A-level final year next year. And I know my limits and I certainly cannot teach them their subjects. It's as simple as that. And I think that what parents firstly have to do is to recognize the tipping points in the in the school education at home so basically your tipping point is if all that ever happens is you get to a point in the day where you will start screaming at each other you've gone past the point that really you should have continued to <laughs> so the reality is that the reason that you're not finding it easy is because you did not train as a teacher and don't have a specialized subject so first of all Fair it's point. like know Fair your point. limits and accept them I'm a massive believer in the word surrender because I think surrender is just accepting that you know your boundaries so for me I've broke my down to boys do four hours. That's so a four days a week, three hours a day. And that's it. That's their yeah. education. And I'm very happy with that. But when it comes down to the actual emotional side of it, what I've taught to parents my entire time of working with young people, I did 15 years working with young people, like teenagers who were really high level traumatized or very, very high level risk of crime. Yeah. So my young people always came with a whole host of burdens that unfortunately they've been provided with by people who should have known better. So I got them in this state where authority wasn't trusted and certainly where education was just nil so there were no skills for life regarding educational literacy and numeracy and basically bringing them in it was their first experience of adults who were going to be compassionate but obviously they had adults in their lives that had never been so we had a long journey to go on and one of the most challenging things for them was when I would walk in with a series of flashcards for 15 year olds because obviously these kids were you know on the streets and they were doing things that were very grown up and me walking in with emotional flashcards wasn't something that they 
they would have ever felt at the time was cool to do. But mm. I knew that when I taught them every single one of those flashcards from feeling abandoned to feeling frustrated to feeling humiliated, then when they felt that feeling next time, instead of going to the obvious one, which is anger and slamming a door or telling me that I was a swear word as a response to my action, they would suddenly be able to say to me, Emma, I'm feeling really frustrated today with the way that you're speaking to me. And that automatically gave them a whole new opportunity to explore their emotions. So even with young kids, I always have done flashcards. I teach kids constantly online to do that I speak to parents constantly about compassionate parenting and teaching those those kind of languages that would be really helpful most importantly I don't care what any professional tells you and people can be pleasure to say this isn't true I know that in my opinion in all my years children genuinely look to their parents for their security and they believe if their parent seems to be okay that the world is okay and they trust that and I was speaking to a child consultant psychologist the other day who's practiced in this field for a very long time Dr. Peter McParlin and we were kind of having this conversation and I was saying you know let me just check out whether the advice that I would give is the same and actually he really surprised me because he said that usually in practice authenticity is obviously key and congruence is key being really honest but at this moment in time he said he would even extend speaking to parents and say to them just tell your kid it's going to be absolutely fine tell them they're going to see their friends again tell them school's going to go back to normal tell them they won't have lost their education because actually everyone's in the same boat remind them that the parents are going to be absolutely all right remind them they'll see loved ones who are older again and he said to actually be a lot more firm in that security based language whereas usually we'd be like oh we can't be absolutely concurring that that's the case because something could go wrong and he was like this is so unprecedented and we want to reduce anxiety so much in children that actually bringing those conversations to that point is important and the other thing if I'm really honest is for adults to just realize that nobody is zen 24 7 (laughs) people together in a like you know and I can own that you know nobody's zen. I don't raise my voice at my kids for example and I was in the gym with them last night that sounds very posh when I say I was in the gym I mean I was in my garage that has weights in but it sounds better saying I have a gym doesn't it and so we went they're 17 and 15 and that we went in we, we go every single night we work out every single night it's just our thing that we do as a family dragging them off any tech dragged off physically technology and we were in there you know we had a perfectly nice time and the boys were being competitive as ever and we really lived in quite a low conflict um, house I walked in I went to you know put the kettle on um, and literally I heard the bang and I walked outside and one of my boys had the other boy on the floor in a headlock now we are not a family like that. And was it when playful? They came, was it a playful head? No, headlock? not at all. It was oh. a, one of them had barged past them. The other one had reacted. But what that then eventuates is it's very easy in that moment to go, right, I'm going to shout at you. I'm going to tell you. But actually that for me was, wow, how frustrated are you to feel that that's the appropriate action? So I think what parents a lot of the time need to do is to just go like, people aren't going to be nice to each other all the time, but also like, don't get into fights over things. Just be like, yeah, this is going to pass. It's all going to be okay. And take some time out. Like, I don't know why parents, when they're dealing with kids who are fighting, as long as the kids aren't going to actually really harm each other, you know, if they're just having a a spat, it's okay for parents to just be like, I'm going to have a cup of tea quietly somewhere. And just (laughs) let these guys work it out. Because in life, if you... Yeah, yeah, you know, not just that, not just that, like life, what you said about that stuff about rewards, by the way, I think you rewarding your kids is a good thing. If you reward them, their good stuff, then that's important. Starve them of the bad stuff. Don't give them any attention to the bad stuff. Only ever do the good stuff. That's fine. Yeah, don't give them a round of applause for eating food. That's ridiculous. That yeah. drives me mad. And Dr. Christian, you're, I know you've done series on that. Never reinforce food in that way. This food should just be fuel. But certainly that idea that, you know, in life, if you shout at somebody and get, treat them badly, you're going to get a response. So often parents jump in with kids when really the kids need to realize that this does not 
get a good response. And if you just withdraw and think, actually, I'm not responsible all the time for their behaviors in that way, I can just withdraw and have a brew and just allow myself to chill out. Then when you return to it, you're not going to be angry. You're not going to be triggered and you are going to be able to resolve it in a way that they learn. So I think that's really important. This is really interesting because I think that when I'm out in public and and my three boys, I've described them as tiger cubs. They are. They just sort of like, they they, they sort of like jump over each other and they, they occasionally get really angry with each other. But normally it's like fighting with with gums that's all yes. you know, it's yeah. like they're just yeah. like ah so um but but i must say that if i'm in public and i think it's because i think you do get you get used to when you've got multiple boys a look of dread amongst people as you approach <laughs> and so i think that normally if i'm in public i'll be like boys stop stop or i'll be really trying to really aware of it whereas at the moment i'm i do actually sort of like right nobody tells yeah. tales because that is not going to get any reaction from me and Good. you just get on with it if you're going to have your tiger cub kind of fights i'm <laughs> just going to try and ignore it unless you smash a window and then i'm going to get so angry <laughs> it's, do you know and, and the th- i i'm the first person to say don't get me wrong there'll be some kids now i'm having reports when i do my clinics online that children are struggling with sleep they're struggling with being emotional and over emotional they're struggling with routine i had a um, parent get in touch the other day one of my clinics saying that she had an autistic child who's 11 and he hadn't come out of his room since lockdown had began because his yeah. routine had just become so horrific and i remember yeah. kind of it's not my my specialism autism and i absolutely made that clear but what i said was i think you have to think about what's really reassuring for a child in that situation which in their case was get them up at the normal time dress him in his school uniform make an area of the school maybe make, make an area of your home a school make sure you service dinner in his lunchbox make sure you stick to routine and then you can start to phase it out and she's done that for a week and that's working really well so I think that we also need to enter the world of the child because we often kind of forget that they've got these whole kind of universes going on and what you said earlier on about that just kind of are your kids okay that constant checking out you know what I did from when my kids were very very young I got into a situation where obviously as Dr Christian said at the beginning of this there was a a divorce and I knew that therefore my kids were going to probably be overwhelmed with changes so I remember just instituting things like gratitude what are three things we're grateful for every single day and one thing that we struggled with what we learned from and then worry dolls or a worry jar where we wrote things out and then we kind of put them in the jar and then we started to explore that and as they got older teaching them things like meditation and for anybody who's listening and going oh my god meditation is like so weird just understand that again it's clinical the reason we're saying it is it's clinical it changes the way that your brain activity works it literally helps to reduce the amount of cortisol and adrenaline it helps to let oxytocin come out which we know is the cuddle hormone makes us feel safe so actually even if you think it's an awful idea to do it it's worth doing it and for adults and children anything that brings you into a zone of zen a little bit just helps to help maybe you we just need to give it a situation. new name you know make say it that sound- again we just need to rename it something a little yes, more. Yes, we do. Do you know what you know, we do? Active and trendy, but <laughs> it's you're so right. It needs rebranding. It just totally needs rebranding, and people have got to stop wearing things that look like sackcloth and sackcloth and ashes. And then it'll be fine. I was going to say, yeah, wandering around in caftans. I was just um, that's it. We've got to stop that. <laughs> yeah, we've got to stop, stop. Um, Emma, flashcards. You mentioned them before. Yes. I'm really keen. What do I do? Do I do I draw them myself? Or oh, I mean, no, I buy them. I'm straight. Listen, I'm like a five year old with webbed hands when it comes down to any creativity. I would go on any large store online that will deliver to you home. Sometimes in 24 hours. That's oh, the kind of great. place I would go. And there are also quite a lot of brilliant educational resources go online. But I would look at those, and you can get different so, types. Are they of just emotional flashcards? What are they right, called? Right. So there's two. Yeah. So there's 
there's two levels. You put emotional flashcards, which is where you'll get ones that have just got kind of the emotion. I, so on. When I was and little, it might be Yes, brilliant. <laughs> and um, the other type is you can also get picture ones, which are where people have got certain expressions on faces. And the reason that that can be quite helpful is what we know about teenagers, particularly teenagers more than any other time, is if I were to show a nine-year-old child pictures of faces, they will read the emotion miles better than a 15-year-old because we know that the brain is undertaking changes at that age. And basically, particularly boys, if you look at a boy with like kind of interest, they'll often see it as disappointment and be angry with you or they'll oh. see you as being conflictual. So because we can teach them how to understand those kind of shifts, it helps them just a little bit as they get to that really difficult stage. That's why boys get conflictual, particularly because when you look at them, they think you're being disdainful or angry and it doesn't matter what's on your face. They just can't interpret it correctly. And we That's don't know why that happens, but it happens. It does. <laughs> it's really, it is hot. Well, it's also why, it's also why so many, you know, disadvantaged boys end up in really bad ways because nobody's really nurturing and cradling them through those difficult times that really do need that kind of work. Yeah, absolutely right. God, we could do lots of podcasts on Ireland, couldn't we? But I, I mean, the feedback I'm getting, I wanted to do some Twitter questions, but actually yes. the general sort of, I think I can summarise them, which is really, I'm really worried about, you know, what my kids are thinking about what's going on. And I know you've sort of covered yeah. this, but I want to sort of summarise it. I'm really worried that my children are frightened, but not really saying it. They seem a bit quiet and things. And I, I, I think the summary is actually kids are probably more resilient than actually you are <laughs> under yeah. certain circumstances. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe in being open with your kids. Tell them stuff, you know, yes. and, and let them know that they can come and ask you anything. And if you have that open, ongoing dialogue. Alex, we've talked about this, haven't we, about... Yeah. And it I'm, makes I'm, you nervous, but I think you've seen the, you've seen the benefits, haven't you? Yeah. I, 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 there's another thing that I really, which I'm really aware of, is that social media, when you've got younger kids, say Zoom or any of those, things, those yeah. platforms, it's very difficult to try and get them to sit down and interact with other kids because, I mean, I, I had my five-year-old spent the whole time saying tacos or something ridiculous and it was just a lot of noise of like yeah. 20 kids from his class and in the end it was just like oh who and it was my idea and I was like who thought of this this is ridiculous so and I found that my 10 year old just sort of like all he does is click the background to change the background he's not really interacting and I think that my fear now is that in that are they losing vital social skills that maybe in later life that might it come to something that, that I don't know I'm really at that I'm really quite concerned about that because I don't think they're not like teenagers that they can get on social media and they're okay with it and it's suddenly because it, you know it's like second nature yeah. so yeah. in that sense no, I mean, I'm finding that difficult some of the brightest people I've worked with in my life were homeschooled and just were in situations where they didn't have interaction with other kids and they were absolutely fine. I mean, I think that a child who goes online at an early age just really doesn't connect with that flat screen experience. But also if they're happy at home, if they've got enough interesting things going on, if they feel loved at home, if they're more interested in going and get a chocolate biscuit because they know that mum's over there with it, that's about choice orientated thought. So the thing is, why am I sitting in front of a screen when I've got this amazing house to go and play and when I can go and shoot one of my brothers with this toy <laughs> that I've got that's a normal happy well-adjusted child you know I'd be much more worried if you were saying to me I've got this child he sits for six hours on zoom talking to his classmates every day and so are they because I'd be like who are these Stepford children because that's just not how kids are I mean if you said to me he's yeah if you said to me he's 16 and he's on his headset for 24 7 I'd be like yeah that's completely normal as well they're all talking to the friends I think that parents have just got to relax because 
one of the things that you recognize educationally is when they look at young people who've had like extra tutoring, like loads of extra tutoring, they tend to get one grade above what they would have without it. So even if you're going to get cost a grade in this situation in the long term, it's not going to be anything magnificent. And for younger children, they're going to catch up anyway. I just think that your child is likely to be quiet and reflective during periods of boredom and creativity of thought. But absolutely, if you see that a child seems to be withdrawing and isn't communicating or is becoming nonverbal, then they're things that we've got to explore and they're things that usually are to do with anxiety. So absolutely at that point, it's all about, okay, let's talk about how we feel. The good way of doing that would be going side by side, walking through your garden, having a chat next to each other as opposed to directly in front of them because what we know is that can be quite overwhelming for kids. Lots of artwork, lots of creative work. But most of the time, I think, and I hate to say it, Dr. Christian is like right as far as that generalization, like most young people, most children from loving homes, and I say that very clearly from loving homes, will be fine no matter what. So just try not to worry too much. You don't deserve to be more worried than you are. I mean, I think you know, the truth is children do adapt remarkably well. They are pretty resilient and they do, they're quite plastic, I think. Is that the wrong word Agreed. to use for children? But they are quite plastic. They, they adapt very well. It's probably the parents who are not so adaptable. So if you're worrying, please don't. Um, but um, as Emma said, actually, you, mums usually know. And if they are becoming more withdrawn, quieter, or you just think there's something wrong, then that's the time to open up that dialogue. Well, that is about it for this episode of Second Opinion. Phew, that felt like a, a racing car of a ride. Thank you, Alex, as oh, always, and huge I, thanks. Can mm-hmm. I just say, sorry, can I just say a massive thanks to Emma from from a mum who really, really put my mind at rest today. I've actually Pleasure. been a bit teary. I think, I think lockdown's getting <laughs> oh, to me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you've really, really calmed me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry, Christian, I just wanted no, to say no, that. No, no, that's exactly the sort of thing I want you to say. No, that was a huge thank you to you. Will you come back again for the third time? Anytime, anytime. <laughs> um, don't forget, you can get in touch with us by emailing surgery at thepodcastworks.com or you can message me on Twitter at Dr. Christian if you've got any specific questions or subjects that you'd like us to talk about in future podcasts. Feel free to give us a five-star rating, press the subscribe button and share the podcast on your socials. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop 
dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 